here we are, June 2023. This is when I am recording the intro for today's episode and that marks almost half of this year done. How crazy is that? Also pretty cool because I've got a question. I've got a question that we should ask ourselves regularly, weekly, but at least every few months. And I thought halfway through the year is a really good time to do this because a lot of us are thinking in the back of our minds, where has the last six months gone? It's crazy and things are moving so fast. Take a moment and ask yourself this question, whether it's right now you pause this episode or you jump off after you've listened and you write this down. What am I celebrating from the last six months? It might be personal, it might be professional in your business, things that you never thought possible that now you look back and you go, wow, actually I did that. I did that. I never thought I could do that. I did it. I never thought that would be possible. It happened. What are you celebrating? That's my little coach moment for you. Okay, so before we get into introducing today's guest, I've got a little important message for you. Unless you've been running a business from under a rock, which might I add would be pretty tricky, you'll know that things have changed a lot in the small business landscape in the last three years. I mean, things have changed a lot everywhere with everything in our lives. There was a lot of uncertainty, as you'll remember, at the start of 2020. We didn't really know what was going on, what to expect. Many of us had to pivot our businesses online. Some of us had to close down, whether temporarily or permanently. There was a lot of adjusting the course. And in some cases, there was actually some unexpected and wild growth financially for, for many of the business owners that we worked with. Over those couple of years, they grew more than, than they ever thought they would. It was, it was not looking good, was it, at the start of 2020? To now being, what are we, June 2023, and we find ourselves in this really interesting digital and economic landscape. We are seeing a lot of change happening, especially digitally. AI is coming in. Everything's starting to look a little bit the same, same, or we're getting bored of the same, same. I don't know about you. There's, there was that time where everything just had to be polarizing in order to get someone's attention. I said AI before, should we use it? Should we not use it? There's a lot going on. There's a lot for us to think about and our minds are busy, whether it be the economic landscape that they keep talking about, digital, social media, the way in which we run our businesses, how we get clients, how we market, all of those things. But with all of this accelerated change, it feels like it's going pretty fast. It feels like there's new things coming in us all the time. One thing we can do as small business owners is we can still choose to adopt the creator archetype. And the way we define creator in Creator Club is someone that is imaginative and artistic and helps to realize a vision. And I think when I, every time I hear that, when I think, you know, everything's going really crap or it's hard, I just go, I can be a creator. 
And I remember that definition that we use and I go, that's pretty cool. That's pretty cool if I can put my hand up and say, you know what, I'm a creator. And I'm certain that more people putting their hand up and saying, I want to become a creator. I want to be a creator. Not even talking about the creator economy, but just modeling that definition that's the future we're craving. That's what we want to see more of. Businesses built on connection, on values, and on trust. And dare I say it, we want your humanity too more than ever. With these accelerated changes in technology, we really crave human humans. Okay, so what does this mean for you as a small business owner? Well, it means that creating that like, know, and trust factor no like and trust factor, we hear that a lot in the marketing world, that just got really important. That got really, really important because as people's minds are getting busier, as we're seeing a lot more things, as we're becoming more discerning and more particular with why we choose to work with certain, you know, buy from certain brands, work with certain people, having that no like and trust we need to be able to know that we can trust you that's really important and you know that I love me some social media I talk about it I'm interested in where it's going and and the changes and 100% I'll continue to use it but I'm also done with that feeling of trying to keep up with algorithms every week and game attention which actually to be honest I probably never done I did I'm I'm always kind of running my own race when it comes to social media but I think there's other ways that we can get attention that we need to start to think about. And obviously, know, like, and trust, trust being the key word there, is really important. But as is being unique and carving your own path, those are those people that we're craving. Those are the people that we really want to do business with, work with, partner with. And so following on from... Our recent episode where I had the pleasure of sitting down with Amy Bowen talking about her journey of the last couple of years. Today I have the wonderful Amelia Cardillo back on the podcast. She was on the show back in episode 47, I think it is, so the early days of the True to You podcast. She shared a lot of her business journey, the early days of business and more of the legal speak, talk, conversation that applies to small businesses. So today we're not going to dive too deep into that. So if you're wanting to understand the legal side of small business, I would go back and listen to that. And I've linked it up in the show notes so you can binge listen to Amelia. Today we're focusing on her journey of the last couple of years in particular, where she has really stepped up and supercharged her personal and business brand. And for those listening that are currently based around my hometown of Newcastle, you'll know Amelia's face. I'm pretty sure of it. She is very prominent in the networking space. She works on a networking committee here. So her face pops up a lot and she's worked with a lot of really cool small businesses She's the lawyer that makes the legal stuff easy to understand so you feel confident in your business and know where you're headed. So combining that with supercharging her personal and business brand, she's really taken it to a place that feels like she's owning her part of 
the small business landscape when it comes to law. And I think it's really cool. It's a really fun conversation because not only do you get behind the scenes of Amelia's world, the things that she loves, her inspirations, which are things that you might not expect from a, quote, lawyer, but you also get to see how bringing in more of her personality isn't a scary thing to do and it's actually a powerful asset asset to your business. Now, if you're part of Creator Club, you know we talk about world building, we talk about character design, you know that I'm talking a lot more about compelling characters and character design here on the podcast and this is one of the key transformations that we help service professionals with. It takes a bit of time, it takes a lot of courage, but if you're interested in building a unique business, we believe that being a compelling character is essential in the modern economy. Okay, so here we go. This is my conversation with Amelia Cardillo. Welcome, Amelia, back to the show. Thanks, Ruby. I'm excited and nervous to be back. I feel like the pressure is on the second time around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I can, I can imagine. You're like, okay, we're gonna, gonna step this up, and um, you know, what can, what else can I deliver people that I didn't talk about last time? So, we are actually going to dive into some topics today with Amelia that. Uh, related to her business, being a lawyer and delivering her services as a lawyer, but also the way in which she's gone about doing that. And I think it's really interesting for people to see this go on. Sometimes there's a lot happening behind the scenes, mindset-wise, strategy-wise, and to actually bring that out to understand how a business owner has done this. And in particular, getting someone like Amelia on who is in the professional services, I can totally relate to how it feels to be in a, in a service that can somewhat pigeonhole you in a bit to how you should show up and how, how it looks and um, what the way that you should present yourself should be a certain way and should be a certain standard and all of these things that I think nowadays there's so many ways to take the skill set that you have as a lawyer and then work with a certain niche versus uh, what it would have been like in private practice where you were limited to the clients that they were bringing or what the practice's focus is. So we'll talk a little bit about a bit about that. And I think where I'd love to start, Amelia, is to Go back three years ago when I had you on the show. It's almost been three years ago. I think it was about June or uh, probably maybe a little bit later. It might have been October of that year that I started the podcast. But certainly feels like it was a little while ago and a lot a lot has changed in the world at large, but also a lot's probably changed in your business. You've grown a hell of a lot in those last few years. So why don't you start off by sharing with us how your business has evolved since we last spoke? If you can remember back to yeah. <laughs> pre yeah. COVID, as everybody says, they're like, you know, life before, life after. Yeah. 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 I, I think it was in the middle of 
oh, yeah, it was just that unknown time in 2020 that we spoke. Yeah. Um, yeah. Things have changed yeah. a lot, but also uh, things have changed a lot, but also probably not that much. And I think when you touched on the mindset, I feel like it's all these little internal changes that slowly shift the direction of the business in these small increments that, yeah, when you do look back over three years, you go, wow, I'm much more settled in the type of people I want to work with and the type of work that I'm doing. I think at that time when we were speaking, it was, I was still very much in the one foot in the corporate world, one foot in wanting to do more and be a bit different, but not really knowing how to step out and do that. Um, And I was still building Mm. that client base. So I think, you know, I think with anything, once you start working with clients, for me, fortunately, it's had a bit of a snowball effect. So the more people I work with, um, it kind of expands that reach and impact that I can have. So I think that's probably changed, but it's, it's definitely just thinking about me in the business a lot differently. And just over that time, I've made small changes in the way that I show up on social media. Um, I think I did a branding photo shoot the next year, which was totally different to what I'd done. That was a huge step out of my comfort zone, you know, slowly changing my website because before it was almost, I was still writing to lawyers and other law law firms thinking, oh, they're they're the ones that are going to be looking at the website and not even really thinking about my potential clients looking at the website and the type of words and language that I wanted to use there. So I think it's just these slow changes that have happened over the course of, you know, three years or almost three years um, that have seen me grown. I'm doing, yeah, working with really fantastic people and doing work that I was still doing three years ago, but I think the clients are much more aligned and are much more clear in what I'm doing now. Yeah. Speak a little bit to the types of clients that that you work with. How has that maybe it hasn't changed so much as it has just become the bulk of your work that you do is working with what we would call your dream clients. So who are those dream clients? Yeah, this is always a good (laughs) good question because I do span a lot of areas of work. I think for me, I'm finding the people that are are becoming more attracted to what I do and the work that I'm doing. I would say established businesses in the sense that they're probably at least two to five years in. Some of them have small teams, but not always. Sometimes they're still just solo business owners, but they've got a business that they is, you know, tried and tested. They know that their service, they're service-based businesses. So they know that people are coming to them for their service and they've got a business model that they know is sustainable for them. And they're kind of going through this They've done the startup phase where they were just pulling things together on a whim and um, Googling their best, but they're getting to this stage now where they know that, you know, this is their business, like this is what they want as their legacy. And they're pulling in different specialists, including lawyers, such as myself, to help them take it to the to the next level, to make sure they've got everything lined up to start looking at those risks that they were happy to take on as a startup, but now they know can have a bigger effect now that their business is, you know, giving them an income to support their life. So, yeah, I think it's very hard for me to wrap it up into a a very one sentence line, but I think they're the type of people that I'm mostly working with at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. And I know that people are very thankful for the work that you do because, 
it gives them confidence and reassurance that they're on the right track, that they're ready to take that next step. Like you say, they're in that phase of leveling up in their business. They're not experimenting. They're not thinking, can I get through the first year? But they're actually a little bit further ahead. And all this work that you do with them ultimately, yeah, it protects them. But a lot of it is saving time too, because they don't have to come up, especially when I think of like the terms and contracts and things like that you do for small businesses. It saves a lot of that thinking on your feet and having to make something up or fumble your way through a question from something from from someone it's it's always there and it's it's locked in to a certain degree and I think that a lot of business owners it allows them probably to get on with what they do best right yeah and I think terms and conditions are a big part of what I do and I think it's the businesses they've gotten to the stage where they want to streamline that process they know how the clients are coming to them. They know what they want their process to be and they want how they want to work with their clients. And it's just eliminating those little questions that they got all the time or not not quite knowing, oh, what can I do if something does, you know, if I do have an upset client, it's giving them that consistency in that approach as well. So it's just another process and procedure for their business that they can just get dialed in and know what the legal background to it is um, and, and it is sometimes constantly evolving if they add different services or um, different things to their business, but it's a great way to, yeah, take a bit of that mental clutter out of that process. Yes, and you're very good at doing that. You're also very good, and I'm alluding here to a lot of the messaging that that Amelia does in her content and things, but she's very good at simplifying it. So for the business owner that probably hasn't had very many interactions with lawyers. They're not, you know, at that upper uh, level of corporate where you're constantly dealing with legal counsel or something like that. These people don't deal with lawyers a lot. Maybe they've bought a house and that's the first time they've dealt with it or they're taking on a lease or something like that. And so that interaction, that first interaction can be quite overwhelming. And, And one of the great things that you do is, you're calm, you keep it really simple, you put it in language that they can understand. And I think that you knowing that has allowed that to flow into your brand. And we're going to talk a little bit about the way we think about personal branding today. We call it character design. It's a bit more of an evolved way of thinking of personal brand. You touched on a little bit when you were speaking before to, you touched on yeah, evolving your brand, your personal brand, how you wanted to show up. You talked about doing another photo shoot and how that was a big contrast from what you had done previously. And I know some of that has has probably come through a lot of the work around character. So before you say, before you started to understand this idea of character and as a, as a more amplified way of thinking about your personal brand, I guess you said that you spoke to lawyers a lot in in terms of how you projected yourself and how you wanted to be perceived. A lot of it was actually being concerned with how your industry saw you, which is super interesting, right? I think I felt that as an architect as well, that it was like my peers matter as much as (laughs) my clients, which 
that shouldn't matter as much. But I think when you work in a more prestigious industry, you do because you're trying to uphold this history and, and this prestige. And this is the way we've always done it. So where, where were you at before before diving into this a little bit deeper? Was it something that was it was obviously on your mind that you wanted to change the way that you not totally, obviously, because we want yeah. to be ourselves, but there was a certain perception that you wanted people to have of you that was a little bit different to what a lot of people in your industry tend to go with. So maybe if you can go back to before all this work and and what what you were kind of grappling with, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. It's funny to look back on it. I think I knew when I started my practice, I wanted to use social media as a tool for marketing. And to me, that was in my industry, that was like a huge revelation in itself. Really? Wow. Lawyers on Instagram, like that's just not heard of. What are you going to post? And I started out, you know, that was a huge out of the comfort zone moment for me anyway. But I think that a lot of the messaging, I'm still probably focusing more on the education. And and I guess you have to do that in the start anyway, as well, to build up Um, you know, that people know what I'm talking about and that I've got the skills to help them. But I think there was this huge gap for me in how I was actually interacting with my clients one-to-one because I was very much myself. You know, I was giving them the legal advice, but, you know, sometimes I can be a little bit um, bogan or ochre with the way I talk, like I'm from Newcastle. So there'd be like, yes, and nahs and likes in there a lot. And, you know, I was very much myself in that one-to-one with the client. And they really, um, you know, fed off that kind of energy that was that made them feel at ease because I wasn't using, you know, big words or trying to put on a very polished accent that I didn't have. Um, but I just didn't know how to bridge the gap of putting that out on social media without feeling like, oh, are people just going to think I'm some, you know, millennial that's just all about trying to live an influencer lifestyle as a lawyer and it was just felt like this huge gap. Like I did not know how to get from A to B from how I was actually in person to on social media. I still felt like that part of it, the outside facing had to be still very polished and very corporate um, with, you know, little bits of personality in there. But now that I see how far I've come, that was still, I was still very much putting myself in that corporate box. So I think that was the big contrast was that, I knew that I could be myself when I was with people. I just didn't know how to get there on social media. Yeah, that, that's super interesting because a lot of people listening to this will be thinking the same thing. I want to show up on social media. Maybe I want to be on video, but I don't want to be so over the top and create this whole personality that's almost a little bit fake for me and for the sake of of emphasizing this point that you're not like all lawyers and so there can be extremes with this and maybe you were thinking in your head do I have to go really extreme for people to get it or can I just thread some of this stuff through and I mean I think a lot of it probably for you was being just being yourself, <laughs> bringing yeah. yourself and not changing yourself when you got on video or not changing yourself when you talked on your stories and then your captions. And then obviously how, how you know, or the other media and things that you use, but 
I know that you also started to thread through some more of your personal interests and things that you loved and things that were still within being a lawyer and to do with your work day and, and all of that. So do you think those sorts of ways of doing it helps you a little bit to bring that in, but without going so far in the other direction that you were creating something that wasn't comfortable, wasn't really you that you couldn't maintain? All yeah, the time? I, that's right. I think it was I could, because all I had known as a consumer of social media was these personalities, these influences. When you looked at personal brand on social media, it was they not that they're caricatures of themselves, but you know that that's just a, a, a personality they put on social media. So I think for me it was about realising, okay, well, I'm not changing anything in the terms of what I believe in or value as a business owner. It was just allowing myself or giving me permission to giving myself permission to actually talk about that on social media. And it was things like the fact that I didn't feel like I ever fit in in the corporate world. And I think people resonated with that. They're like, okay, you you obviously a lawyer with that certain skill skill set, but as a person, this is my likes and dislikes. I, you know, I don't like the nine to five grind. I hated billable hours and timesheets. You know, being a mum changed my perception of being a lawyer and and being a business owner and talking about those experiences and and I think that felt very true to who I was um but also it wasn't like I was trying to be something that I'm not I wasn't trying to be a, a mum influencer or anything like that it was just talking about these little experiences and even my experiences as a business owner because I'm learning as I go with this whole thing and and I found that that was a good point of interest to on social media is that I just talk about my journey a little bit as as a business owner because I'm learning these things I I enjoy learning about marketing and how to use that so it's kind of looking at yeah those different areas and going okay I can talk about these little things obviously there's you know legal tips in there or some educational pieces of content but people don't necessarily want to go to their Instagram to read (laughs) that type of stuff either so I think it was just about going okay I can just take the reins off here just take up the expectations of what I need to do on social media um, and start bringing that little bits and pieces of yeah I guess it's the daily life or the things that um, yeah I'm thinking about as a business owner. Did that make creating content a lot easier could you be more consistent did you have more ideas all of those things? Yeah, definitely. Because I felt like some of those topics were taboo to start off with, because I felt like people didn't want to hear about those experiences or, but it really is those experiences that I had as a mom or as a junior lawyer, you know, not understanding what was going on in meetings that have actually shaped the way I do the work now. So it almost seemed silly not to talk about that. Um, and it gives a people, I guess, a bit of context to why I'm, yeah, do things a little bit differently to traditional corporate law firms. So, yeah. Yeah. It would, threading through the elements of the backs, what we call backstory like that, definitely humanize it, number one. And we all want to deal with humans, especially when it comes to numbers or it comes to the law or it comes to some, a lot of these professions where there can almost be a bit of a wall up, like 
I'm over here and you're on the other side of the wall and there's this great wall called the law that (laughs) I'm the gatekeeper of. And so when you humanize it, it's like, oh, it's just a thing. It's just a thing that I need to do in my business. And yeah, I, I love when you do talk about those bits and pieces because a lot of the times people, now a lot of your services are, set the common things that you offer. So it's not like you're making these things up from scratch, the terms and conditions, contracts are all things that commonly lawyers do. But I think what's really key to what you said there that I want to point out to people is that Amelia used the backstory as a way to show people how she came up with the way in which her service was being delivered. So the the values how she wanted people to feel when they work with her, what that whole process was like. And it it made sense. Whereas a lot of people, I think they bring out this offer and they're like, ta-da, here's, here's my service. And we don't really know like the backstory. We don't really know why it exists. We don't really understand what makes it unique or great or why would I actually choose Amelia as a lawyer over someone else down the road. And that's the thing, right? Is that even I imagine even within your industry where there's a need, would you say there's still a bit of competition? You, you There yeah. is yeah, that absolutely. element to it? Yeah. I mean, there are thousands and thousands of lawyers in New South yeah. Wales alone. Yeah. And I don't know the statistics, but I, there's about 80, it, it's a very high percentage. I'd say 80% or even higher are actually sole practitioners like myself. So really on our own or they they have might have an admin wow. support. So there's a lot of competition. And you, I think especially in the legal industry, we are all qualified to a certain level. So you know if you Google a lawyer, they're going to have a skill set. Um, so yes, it's becoming, you know, people are becoming specialized in certain areas, but there are lots of business lawyers in New South Wales that people could pick and there's different styles. Um, and it depends what the client wants that some clients want automation. They don't even want to deal with a person. They just want it quick and cheap. Um, others want fully customized or they want the, the top level service. So yes, there is still a lot of competition. It's very hard to stand out really because you think oh lawyers you know someone would they'll just come through the door but people are you know they do want to work with especially when you're a business owner you do want to work with someone that understands you um there is I've always felt that there is this level or fear of judgment when people want to go to speak to a lawyer they think you know they need to know a certain level um, about business before they actually even talk to a lawyer. So I think it's, yeah, there, there's definitely a fear of judgment in terms of clients, you know, even approaching a lawyer to get started. But it is hard to stand out. So that's why I think I needed to really focus on that personal brand and um, bring more of myself into it because otherwise we're all, we are all the same. <laughs> we've got the same skills. We've got the same qualifications. Some people have been doing it longer than others, but it can be hard to stand out. Yeah. I think what's also unique about you too is that you have very strong empathy for your clients as well. And so that's allowed you to create a service where you can speak to them 
in a very simple way, but you can also create content that they're going to understand. Whereas I think that some people in professional services, they might not have that level of empathy developed yet, or they might still be really hung up on their, like we talk about it as sometimes coach speak or the jargon of your industry. And it's really hard sometimes to drop that and be able to just speak to the other person in normal language that they're going to get. And, and I think you've done very well because you had really cultivated that empathy skill prior to maybe prior to going into business or just through working with more and more clients and then creating content, whether it's writing a post or speaking on a video, you're just not having to try. You're like, okay, I'm going to talk to you as if you're my client on the other side of the screen or, or reading this post. And yeah, so I just wanted to point that out as well as that something that can really help you actually with this character work is having that empathy for your audience, which allows you to decide, you know, how do I want them to feel? How do I want them to perceive me? And obviously a lot of lawyers are perceived a certain way. And Amelia actually said, you know, when I listen to my clients, they don't want to be, they don't want to perceive me like that. They want to perceive me like this. So it's really, really something that you've nailed I think that's allowed you to do this process with a bit more understanding and just depth that a lot of people might find tricky because they're still stuck really deep in the jargon or they don't have that empathy yet yeah thank thank you for for saying that it's um it feels like it's been a long time to cultivate that as well because I definitely got stuck in I wasn't you know using jargon but I wasn't really listening to what clients wanted to hear on social media. And I think whether you're a lawyer, an accountant, a coach, a nutritionist, you, you're so in your skill that it's so hard to go back to, okay, if I'd known nothing about this subject, what would I need to know? Or where would I, what question would I need to ask myself to even start? And it's not about dumbing it down for people or, um, you know, treating people like they don't understand it's just going back to the first principles that you know just as second nature now and going back okay how can I explain this to someone that has never had any experience in this area because sometimes with me it's with the work that I do sometimes people don't even know when they need to speak to a lawyer it's obvious in certain situations you know if you if you're signing, if you want to lease a premises or if you're buying a house, someone will tell you, you need to go see a lawyer. But often with those business contracts or terms and conditions, or when you're hiring a contractor, you don't often think you need to, or you should speak to a lawyer. So it's about thinking, even in terms of content, well, how can I get that message across to people just as a starting point, a question that they need to ask themselves. Um, and yeah, getting rid of the jargon or coach speak or just the higher level discussion that you would have once they've actually made the decision to come and see you. Mm-hmm. Because that's typically going to be in the document. So they probably trust that all of that, the right, um, the right information, the right terminology, that's all going to be in the documents, but they just need to know that you get where they're at and what they need. And I think that's also something that's really great about how you offer your service too, 
just as a side note, is that you do have an initial call with a lot of your clients. And that means that you can offer them exactly what they need. You're not trying to sell them something that they don't need. (laughs) And I imagine that even in that initial call, that also is a great way. We're talking a lot about empathy here, I know, but that's another way a, for you to hear what your clients are saying and therefore create content from what you're hearing, but also just break down that barrier a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. The, the calls, I think I'd always, I mean, I always speak to people before I formally kind of put that in place, but it it had really helped to give people just a very easy first step to speaking with me. It's just completely no obligation just to kind of get whatever's in their head out. And then I can say, okay, this is the direction you need to take. And sometimes that's all people need is like, okay, that's the direction I need to take. Maybe I'm not ready to make the step now, but I know in, you know, six months or 12 months, I'll be ready. And that's where I need to go. So um, yeah, I think really going back to just first principles has been and not even first principles, because even that is still a bit technical. If I use that word, that to me, it's still very technical. I yeah. think it was just having experience over time of what people were asking and what they weren't sure about. Um, and that's always a great way to, yeah, produce content too, is go, okay, to really think about what questions are people asking? Or even for me, and I guess this is the empathy part, was the sense that I got from people. and. And it's the unspoken things that come out in those initial meetings. And it was that fear of judgment that they they thought, oh, I'm I can't be a business owner because I don't understand what terms and conditions are. Or not, you know, feeling like they could ask questions or they had to know all the answers. So I think that has also been really helpful too, is getting practice in those calls. Well, yes, I'm, you know, there to help them out with their problem. It was listening to the nonverbal parts of that discussion of what are they really saying or what are they really worried about? Um, you know, sometimes they clients would just say to me, look, I just, I don't know where to start. Like I feel stressed. I've looked at everything. Like I just don't know, you know, it's this mental clutter of like not even knowing what the first step is. So um, yeah, that's also been really helpful too. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Some really good things in there that if you no matter what step of the journey you're at, but if we're specifically talking about marketing, your brand, your content creation that is part of your marketing is that skill set of empathy and listening to your clients is so good. And it's so great when you create content. I don't know if you ever get this from people, they might not say it directly, but when you get comments where people say, oh, thank you for saying that, or I'm I'm not so afraid anymore, or it feels like you're speaking to me, or you get me, whatever it is, that's where you've really nailed it. That's where you're really speaking to them in a way that they feel seen and heard. And that's quite a skill to master. Yeah, it's definitely been work. And it's so, so much trial and error, because sometimes, you know, in social media too, you don't get don't always get that feedback no Um, and I think it's more in those one-to-one interactions with with people where if you're actually practicing that messaging and you start using that in your conversations with people that's where you get the best feedback so then you can go okay well it's working in real life how about it then translate this to social media and you know you hope that it has the same impact there as well 
Yeah. Cool. We've spoken a bit about social media and that's primarily where you show up for your marketing. You're also bringing in some other things as well. So let's talk about how you are threading this character, this personal brand through, maybe we can start with the other types of marketing that you do. So where else do you show up and market your services? I know. I work with Amelia, so this sounds like a little bit of a leading question, but I want you to share with us. Yeah, well, I've I've been involved in offline or in-person networking from the beginning of my career, and that has been, you know, I was kind of pushed into it as a young lawyer. It was like the done thing. It was, you know, you need to go to these networking events and took me a long time to find the right ones that I gelled with and had the right mix of people. Um, But that actually just, helped so much. I think, you know, I, I'm probably pretty extroverted, but when I was younger and especially my early career, I definitely wasn't, I was much more reserved and it probably took me a while to kind of get out, um, break out of my shell a little. So I think offline networking has been so important for me and just building connections with people. And I've never gone into networking with the expectation of, oh, you've got to get work from this person or you know, where is this going to go? It's always just been about meeting people. You know, if you do have a business, practicing talking about your business, you know, even that was hard at first to even talk to people about what I did. And I would kind of sheepishly say, oh, I'm I'm a lawyer. I've got my own business. (laughs) You kind of wait for the negative reactions. But um, (laughs) I've been really involved in that. I've also, um, so Gen Collective is a Newcastle-based networking group, which Ruby, you're obviously familiar with. You've spoken at a couple of our events. So I've been involved with that on the committee for five years and I'm the vice president um, at the moment. So that's a really big part of my, yeah, real world networking, I call it. And I've just, this year, just started emailing as a networking, oh, sorry, as a marketing tool as well, which also, as you know, Ruby, this has been a long progress, a long time in the works for me because I had, you know, when you work in a law firm, emailing clients was the most dry, boring newsletters. We called them newsletters. And it would basically be, uh, here's a high court case that was decided, you know, a year ago. Here's 500 words on the facts of the case and what the case decided, you know, what the judge decided. And they were just, just so boring <laughs> to read. What does a client even do with that? I, I think it was more like, oh, look, we know about this case. So contact us okay. and we can help you. So I don't Got know what it. the client was meant to get out of it other than maybe feel afraid and go, <laughs> okay, I better call them because I don't know what does this mean for my business? Yeah. Um, so it was just very dry and I just didn't even know where to start with emailing, but I have found that's been, um, definitely another out of the comfort zone thing to do as well, but I'm starting to find a bit of rhythm with that too, because that's in itself, that's a different form of communicating again, whereas, you know, social media captions are quite short and you have to be really specific about, you know, what you're talking about you can show a bit more, even more personality through emails. That has been slightly terrifying, to be honest, because you don't even get, it's, I have had people reply, which is nice. Um, It's nice to get that feedback, but you definitely don't get the same feedback as social media. Because if you think about social media, people could just hit that like, you know, hit the little heart. 
you, you get some kind of feedback to go, okay, well, they've looked at it. Whether they've read it or not is another thing. But with emails, it's it's very different. So that's been a new part of my marketing this year, but something that I think is actually helping to create more, even more connection with my clients because it's going directly to their inbox. They're not boring case reviews. <laughs> so I've stayed well away from that. But um, yeah, that's that's pretty much, I think that's everything. It's like in, in person and um, yeah, and the emailing. They're the podcast? other podcast. Yeah. Totally podcast. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Podcast. I have a podcast. I did that too. What's your podcast called? If anybody um, wants it to is called to it. The Business of Law. And again, I didn't want that just to be about legal topics and tips. It does have some of the episodes are focused on a legal topic. I wanted to create a bit more of a dialogue, or even though it's with myself, about what my experience has been as a lawyer. Um, so I talk about the fact that I had an e-commerce business. I've talked about the fact that, you know, I didn't fit the corporate mold and fell off the partnership track and didn't want any of that. Um, and I guess defining what success means for me mm-hmm. as a business owner. Um, so yeah, this podcast and actually the speaking of in-person and events, um, I'm planning to have my first in-person event, taking the skills that I've learned from Jane Collective and in-person to have my own um, event. So that is for clients, but also other business owners in Newcastle. Um, because I really think that offline real world networking has so much, like it has had so much impact on my business. You don't, you can't always quantify it straight away, but it, it really does just the people you meet, the things you learn about yourself. Um, I found that's always been so helpful with my business. So I want to bring a little bit of that to the people kind of in my sphere of influence, I guess. And um, yeah, so that'll be happening soon. Amazing. We'll, we'll pop a link when this goes live, it will be a few weeks out from your event. So we've strategically timed this to be (laughs) able to talk about the event. And if you're interested, if you're based in Newcastle or you're not too far from Newcastle, the event is the 28th of June. Yep. 28th June. of June. Yeah. Yep. 28th of June. Yep. And that's a Wednesday. Wednesday yeah. yeah. Wednesday evening, 5.30 um, start. So Great. PM, not AM. And it's a bit of net. I'll be at that event so <laughs> we can all hang out. <laughs> we don't have to talk about business or law. We can talk about anything. But we will be talking to you've got a couple of other guest speakers as well that you work alongside you have known through your business and and your networks and things for a little while now so yeah maybe just give us a little bit of a snapshot and then we'll keep going with the rest of the yeah yeah so I I haven't officially announced speakers yet but by the time this goes to to air it probably will but um, so Adrian Donnelly, who is a VA and she has her own business um, organized by Adrian and Sophie Brenton, who is a bookkeeper, um, SB Business Services, it's her business. So they are the two other women that'll be joining me because not only did I want to have a space for business owners to kind of connect and talk about just business, the struggles that they have and um, that things don't always go to plan there, I wanted an element of, you know, some takeaways too. So 
you know, Sophie and Adrian are super women in their industries and they help other business people just do things at a higher level. So I think even if you want to do the DIY approach or it's a a question of, okay, do I want to get some outsourced help? That'll be great to guide people through that as well. Um, And they're very open too about the fact that business isn't a straight line. It's not smooth. There's ups and downs. And, you know, what always kind of brings us back to it is that we want to help people, I guess. So that's why I really connect with those women in particular is because we all kind of share some very similar values, but um, they will also have some very practical tips for people too. (laughs) Yes. Yes. So we will pop the link in the show notes. If you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh, I'd be interested in this. This sounds really good. Especially if you struggle a little bit on the system side of your business, obviously Amelia will be speaking as well related to the law and getting your business watertight, so to speak. So (laughs) if it's the systems, the law, the numbers, that side of things that you find a little bit hard or you struggle with it, or it's just an area that you don't like to face, but you know that you need some help with it. These three ladies definitely are very, very good at what they do, very efficient, very helpful to a lot of other service businesses in Newcastle as well. So it would be great for you to meet them and also hear a little bit more about what you can do to help streamline things and not <laughs> have it feel so so much of a, oh, I don't want to face that or I don't know how to do it because it's too techy and, and all of that. Um, they're very good at that. So yes that's linked up in the show notes. So podcasting, email, events, amazing. You've got quite the diverse marketing strategy, which I love. And I think for where you're at in business as well, I think that's really important that people don't rely too much on a single channel to market their business as easy as it can be. And as, as, instantly rewarding the social media can be it's one of those things that is never never as stable as we think it is it's always changing a lot of people have a love-hate relationship with it so moving to email moving to podcasting and bringing those things in and podcasting it doesn't have to be three to five hundred episodes it can be a season but yeah I would definitely, definitely say that, that you're on the right track with that. So also I think what was really cool is that you'll notice that Amelia alluded to the fact that there's a lot of different touch points in terms of how people come into her business and into her business world. And those touch points always provide a way for you to bring in personality, bring in character, bring in story, your emails, are really fun. And Amelia is a very funny person. She's a great <laughs> storyteller. So you'll get lots of funny little personal stories in her emails. And we often think that video, oh, I've got to be on TikTok or something. That's the only way to bring out my personality, but there's all these other touch points, not just in our marketing, but also in the delivery of our business as well. Okay. So 
you've come a long way with this work as as you've mentioned and it's feeling a lot easier is there anything that you still find a little bit challenging with this oh yeah definitely I feel like there's always more you can do with it because even when I think about oh you know I'm I'm showing more of my personality on social media there's more like there's always you can 10x everything right there's you could I could be showing up more consistently at the moment especially on social media but um I think it's about you just keep pushing the comfort zones and the topics that you are willing to talk about and and I think each time I've done that you you find more room to grow so I think that's one thing that I do find being uncomfortable a challenge I always look for that <laughs> in some way as much as I get stressed out by it I'm like why do I always look for this uncomfort um it shows me that I'm growing so there's definitely you know more um that I could do sometimes it's time constraints or just a focus on something else that you know stops me from doing that but um I would love to do more video that's always been my one thing. I think the podcasting was a bit of a um, entry into that in terms of a longer form. I think when I say video, I mean longer form content mm. um, because I know personally when I'm, there's a couple of creators or influencers that I follow through social media. I don't actually follow them as much on Instagram. It's more their YouTube. Um, you know, there's a couple of people that I follow that have 30 minute vlogs or you know that it's not just their daily life but they're talking about um self-development and just their personal life and um I find that really interesting so to me that would kind of be the next level is doing longer form content and whether that's a mix of you know I obviously have the podcast but maybe creating that in a video format I think that's the next challenge for me there's still some resistance (laughs) there very cool oh I'm I'm excited I this is the the first I've heard of this as well so (laughs) this is kind of fun to hear where you want to take this and the cool thing is is exploring longer form mediums whether it be podcasting yes writing but I guess if your goals are to do more speaking or to host events I can honestly say there's no better way to feel more prepared for those things if you're already doing them in some capacity such as a podcast, such as a YouTube clip. And you don't have to do a lot to feel comfortable, but a few reps under your belt will will definitely make those other things a lot easier. I think that's the biggest thing that holds people back is the fact that they don't often, they might speak one-to-one with clients, but then to a whole group is another whole uh, devil new level, new devil, or however yeah. they say it. Yeah. I think you're so right about getting the reps under yeah. your belt because it's only because I've done, you know, I've done a few videos and I've done a couple of podcast episodes now that I feel that, yes, that would be the next level. But if I were to try to go from doing nothing to a YouTube video, that would just be too daunting. And it would just be always on the to-do list and never happening. So I think, yeah, just those even you just do it a couple of times and go, okay, well, nothing bad happened because I posted a Instagram story. Like my world didn't collapse, <laughs> you know, just getting that confidence to do things like that. And even going, you know, I know a lot of people struggle with in-person 
networking. Like a lot of people go, oh, I just don't like it or they they think that they can't, um, you know, I guess find the right place or places to go and um, meet people. But that even just going to those types of things really helped me to push me out of my comfort zone so that, you know, I could host an event <laughs> this year. It's It's just all those small things that you do that allow you to take those bigger jumps down the line. Yes. Yes. A hundred percent. Do you have any, before I get onto my last question, do you have any tips for people that are thinking about diving into some of this longer form stuff, either video is a little bit different to podcasting, but yeah, if they're wanting to show their face more, if they want to do longer content, that's not just a photo with a caption, which is a great place to start to get your confidence of putting content out, but then being able to put your face on camera actually brings another level of personality or to hear your voice. So for those people that are dabbling with the idea of getting into that, is there anything that you would say that has helped you to to just do it, to just have a go. Yeah. I think for me, one thing that works well for me is to just do it without the expectation of publishing it. So with the podcast, I had talked, I had thought about it for years. I was like, I want to do a podcast. And I just didn't know. I thought, oh, I don't know how to do the tech. So I literally one day put in, there was just an idea that I had just keep bouncing around in my head. I was like, I just have this topic that I just wanted to talk about um and my husband probably was just sick of hearing about it so <laughs> I, I thought I'll put in my airpods I'll put in my airpods I just hit the voice memo and just talked into my phone about what I wanted to talk about and it wasn't going to be a podcast it was just like if I had a podcast this is what I would talk about this is how I would do it I think I did two two takes of it to just kind of refine because I didn't make any handwritten notes I just did it and then I thought, okay, well, why couldn't this be a podcast? So then I jumped onto Canva and I was like, um, what if I, if I had a podcast, what would the, the, like the tile look like, the image? So I just did that. And I think those little steps, when you actually see it, you think, oh, I could post that. And it was the same when I started doing videos to camera. I would record a video without, I just thought, okay, I'm just going to record this to see how it sounds just to practice speaking. Mm. Um, without the expectation that I was going to post it. Because I think as soon as you go, oh, I've got to post this and you've never done it before. For me, that added this layer of pressure that I was, it would just was too daunting. But for me, it was just about doing the thing, getting the words out. If you have an email that you want to write to people, just write it out. And then once you've done it, you think, okay, well, it's there now. What? It's not much of a step to then press send or hit, um, you know, publish the podcast or just post the story. I think for a lot of people, just recording their voice or recording the video is the hardest part. So I don't know if that's helpful for anyone, but I always just found just doing it without just almost tricking myself into thinking I'm not going to post it. Just saying, I give my permission, I give myself permission not to post this because then once you've done it, you think, well, why would I waste this content that I've created? Exactly. <laughs> Reverse psychology. Yeah. <laughs> so that helped me. I don't know if it will help anyone else, but. <laughs> I think that's, that's a great idea. Did it take long b- between doing that a few times to then actually publishing it? Because obviously we know the podcast did 
come to fruition, but was there much of a time period? Because that's also what we've got to be mindful of is that we, we yes. do practice, but then yeah. eventually, yeah, like you say, you don't want to put all, all that content to a waste if it could go somewhere. Yeah, I think with video, I did sometimes get stuck in a trap of taking too many takes. Yeah. So, you know, wanting it to be perfect. So once I'd actually recorded the first video and I thought, okay, well, that's, you know, I, I survived. I did it. <laughs> it was pretty much just saying, okay, I'm going to post this whether it's perfect or not, which is very hard for me to do. And I think a lot of people struggle with that, um, wanting to be perfect. The podcast happened pretty quickly too because I thought, well, even though it's published, until I started promoting it, that was the next step. So exactly. I just thought, okay, I need to just publish it because then it was there. It was in in on the internet. It was in the world. Um, so I think doing those things quickly can help. Yeah. Once yeah. you done Yeah. So one last thing I wanted to talk about because I, right at the beginning, we spoke about you wanting to break out of the mold, out of the status quo of what law and lawyers typically look and sound like and and all of that with when it comes to your brand your business brand but also your personal brand because you are the face of your business and one thing that can really help people is to not look so much at your industry we would always say you want to maintain the standards you don't want to be a loose unit and yes <laughs> a cowboy because that might get you in some hot water but all that said, that's a very small element of it. And that should really just be ingrained in you, but it shouldn't stop you from looking outside of your industry and saying, you know, what am, what am I actually interested in outside of this business that excites me, that influences what I consume, what I love to actually really look at on Instagram? Because I don't imagine you're looking at law accounts all day no. Amelia but no. <laughs> looking outside your industry can actually give you a lot of inspiration I recently had a conversation with Amy Bo who you know as well we talked a little bit about character and this came up she said you giving us permission to do that really unlocked a whole new world of how I could show up and feeling a lot more free in that so I'd love to finish up with talking about some of your influences, whether you've brought those subtly into your business in some way, or they at least just help you stay inspired because they're creative and, and they do things differently. They're in different industries and things. Yeah, it's I, I do struggle with this question because I feel like a lot of the influences I internalize a bit. You probably wouldn't notice from the outside, but I've always had a strong interest in fashion and I guess feminine things. So I guess the way that did show up in my brand is I changed my color, like my brand colors, um, probably yeah. around that Quite dramatically. So, yeah. So I had this very corporate blue and black <laughs> and my logo was very you know, font-wise, it was very square and rigid. Um, and I changed to, like, my corporate colours are like a an emerald green, pink, um, softer tones. It's got cursive writing in the um, the logo. And I guess embracing a bit more of a, a, 
a fashion element, I guess. And that kind of reflected in the, the branding shoot that I did two years ago now. I'm due for another one where I wore a pink suit, which was scary at the time because I thought, wow, you know, I've only ever seen lawyers do photo shoots in black suits or navy suits. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I think fashion um, does have a, an influence on what I do. Um, and then I think it's just about, oh, it's really, I actually take a lot of inspiration from the health and fitness industry because I, I guess with Creator Club that, that I'm in, that obviously you and um, John run, there are a lot of people in the fitness industry. So I'm actually following a lot of their accounts. And the thing that I get influenced by them and take from them is just the discipline and consistency that people have in the fitness, you know, in that fitness space. And the fact that you you need to be in it for a long game. So I guess that's more of an internal um, influence that I have is, you know, thinking about that consistency in the literal example of doing reps mm, <laughs> you know, mm. and showing up to the gym every day. It's about the same for me in business. It's just about showing up every day and living by that kind of values that they have. So, um, yeah, that might sound like a really oddball one, but I do. Um, yeah, look at a lot of fitness accounts from from that perspective, and um, yeah, so that's an interesting one. Probably doesn't come through as much, you know. I'm not obviously posting workouts or anything on my Instagram, but um, yeah, I do find myself kind of really interested in that world too. Yeah, that's that's fascinating. Actually, I would have not made that connection, but myself because I guess I've been in that world too. And, and sometimes when you're in that world for a bit, it becomes second nature. That's just how people are. Yeah. They're, they're extreme, you know, and we do tend to attract more extreme people too. So uh, don't worry. Like if you, if you join creator club, if you're not um, got extreme goals with your fitness, <laughs> but if you do, you'll be definitely around the right people. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but I do know that with the fashion side that you love now, I might be like dishing a bit of goss on you here, but you <laughs> love like K-pop you and, and, uh, Korean flash, flash, flashes, <laughs> fashion bloggers. I was trying to say uh, fashion and blogger in one word, yeah, not yeah. Korean flashes. Yeah, no, 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 no. That's probably very niche. But, um, yeah, no, I think the fashion influence, you know, has ex expanded into, yeah, I have a huge love of K-pop, which I kind of do, you know, um, dot into my social media here and there, you know, the yeah. fact that every time I do my Spotify playlist, it's just K-pop. People, probably songs that people have never heard of. Um, but that's, I think there's a lot of fun in the K-pop um, culture, in Korean culture that's kind of coming, I guess they call it the K-wave that's mm. kind of coming in, into the West. There's, If you watch like variety shows from Japan or Korea, they're just so out there and wacky and fun and people kind of don't take things so seriously. So I don't know if that's representative of the whole culture. I, you know, I don't obviously don't live there, but um, from what you get on the media side, I think that helps a little bit too to just remember like you don't have to take yourself so seriously. Like they'll have these game shows with top actors and actresses doing the craziest things and you would think you would never see, you would not really see that in the West. I could, would 
could not picture Angelina Jolie doing some of these crazy stunts. No, it was like jackass when we were growing <laughs> yeah. up, wasn't it? It was like sort of crude and extreme, but theirs yeah. is like more fun and like yeah, a bit more lighthearted yeah. than jackass. Yeah. But yeah, but um, yeah, I, I think for me, it's a little bit of a comic relief in my day as well to <laughs> kind of a, a bit of escapism as well, like the K-pop. Um, is so bright and it's so fast. Like the music, even I actually watched a documentary. This is, I'm really deep diving. You've, you've opened the floodgates. I love now. it. I love it. Um, so BTS, which I think most people should be aware of now, they're the top okay. K-pop boy group in the world, basically. But Quietly, I didn't. Um, but I, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I'll, each I'll of their members are doing some solo work now. And there's there's a documentary on Disney, which I watched of one of the um, one of the members. And he's a producer, a rapper, a, a writer. And it's just to watch that documentary, I find so fascinating watching musicians deep in their work because there is so much that I can kind of take as a business owner that just the self-doubt, but then the fact that they have to put this music out there at some point, whether people are going to like it or not. Um, and the perfectionism struggles that they have and watching the process of behind the scenes in the music industry has actually always fascinated me. I'll watch any muso documentary that there is, but especially with the K-pop industry just being so fast paced, like they're producing mm. so much. Um, it's, yeah, I just find that fascinating sometimes I feel very lazy because <laughs> I watch all these people that you know there's new songs coming out and the performances that are amazing I'm like wow I'm really not living life to the fullest but <laughs> that yeah. I think from a business level watching that behind the scenes I I think I watched the documentary it's called um road to d-day if anyone's actually interested um it's I think I watched it three times in one day just the the so the artist, his name is Sugar. He he just takes you really in depth to his process. Like he's just, yeah, just really fascinating. So um, that kind of actually just inspires me just in business to kind of keep going the way they keep showing up with their music. And um, sometimes it is a grind. Like they have to grind out these songs. <laughs> you would think yeah. that as a musician, it's just, you know, inspiration and it all just comes to you and, everything falls into place perfectly, but sometimes it's work for them as well. Mm. Yeah. So, huge tangent. I don't know if I, we can draw no. that back to personal brand, but <laughs> don't get, don't come into my DMs asking about K-pop because you will never leave. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You're going to have some new fans after this that are just going to hang out with you to talk K-pop, which is really cool. So thank you so much, Amelia. This has been a really really fun conversation. I knew our part two interview would bring another dimension because it's always fascinating, isn't it? To like look back two and a half, nearly three years and go, oh, wow, like lots happened and, and yeah. I've changed a lot and, and where you're taking your business is really cool. So thank you so much. Is there anything you want to share in terms of we've got the event, we'll link that up, but how can people hang out with you if they want to connect with you? What's what's the best way to do that? Um, Instagram is probably a great place to start. I, I guess if you are looking for some legal help, which I know yeah. we haven't touched on so much in this one, but in my Instagram bio or where you can access some links, I do have some free downloads. So 
One is for creative business owners that are looking to stop scope creep. So making sure you're getting paid for the work that you do and and touching on those key things in terms and conditions that you need. So that's a, a free freebie that you can grab. And the other freebie I have is on leasing. So we touched on that as well as part of the work that I do. So if you are looking at leasing your first office or studio space or any kind of, um, yeah, lease, it's got some tips on what the process actually looks like and what you need to budget for. So very practical um, and yeah, you can, the easiest way to get those is probably go to my Instagram profile and you can download those. Great. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. <laughs> Thank you, Amelia. And, um, I'm excited to see where the next two and a half to three <laughs> years goes for Cardello Law. Thanks Ruby. It's been fun.